1: Yes, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in college football, but he wasn't always. Today, Unlocked on, on Buckeyes, my plea to Ohio State fans to please stop revising history. Welcome to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I am your show host, Kyle Lamb. I'll talk about Burrow and my thoughts on how well he's playing this year for LSU. But also, I'm kind of going to glance back in history because I see a lot of people talking about the what-ifs here. And I'm going to ask people to concentrate on reality. And that is, things would not have turned out the way they turned out for Ohio State. If Burrow had stayed, a lot of things would be different. We'll talk about that. And also, don't look now, but Justin Fields, he's not putting up Joe Burrow numbers, but he is putting up numbers that actually are right on par with Dwayne Haskins. We'll get into that. Also, the Chase Young situation, was Maryland the snitch? My thoughts on that, and what a terrible decision, if so. And college football playoff rankings week number two tonight. I'm still sticking with Ohio State number one over LSU. I'm the only one saying that, I think. But I'll give my rationale, and also, why I'm kind of ticked off right now. Thinking about the what-ifs with Minnesota, Baylor, etc., I'll explain that coming up in the third segment of Lock On Buckeyes. Lock On Buckeyes, we are on your favorite podcasting platform. I ask that you please tell your friends, family, your friends' family, your family's friends, et cetera, et cetera, to give us a listen. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by saying play Lock On Buckeyes on your smart speakers. We are sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Please check them out at jfqlending.com. We are also here with support from GoBus with over 40 stops across Ohio. GoBus has many popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and Ohio's big cities. Visit them at ridegobus.com or if you prefer, call them at 1-888-95-GO-BUS. You know... I love you guys. You really have a flair for the dramatic. And you definitely provide some thought-provoking conversation. I'll give you that. It's, it's really been amazing to see how Buckeye Nation has responded to the success of Joe Burrow down in, down in the bayou you know, at LSU. And Burrow is having a freaking fantastic season. He really looks the part. He's throwing for a ridiculous 79% completion percentage, 33 touchdowns to four interceptions, a 205 passer rating. And when you watch LSU, honestly, this is, I watch LSU and, and I tell you what, LSU is just a okay football team that has a far above average pass game, a ridiculously good pass game. LSU compared to past LSU teams is not that good relative to speaking. I mean, they're still one of the five best teams in the country, obviously. But when you look at their success, it is mostly because of the past game. In the fourth quarter against Alabama, it was so interesting to watch them because they weren't even pretending like they could run the ball and run the clock out. They had no illusions that they were going to put that game on ice with the run game because it hasn't been very good. It just hasn't. They're averaging four and a half yards a carry this year. It is a okay run game. They literally said, we are going to put this on Joe Burrow's arm and we're going to win the game by just continuing to pass the entire fourth quarter. And that's what they did. And they did it really well. But they they can't run the ball. And defensively, they're built to stop the run, which they do decently well. Not as good as they've done in the past, but they do stop the run decently well. They didn't against Alabama. Alabama ran for over 200 yards against them. And their secondary, DBU my butt, I mean, they are not stopping anybody in that the back end of that defense. So it really is just an okay LSU team. Now they have talent. Don't get me wrong. Both sides of the ball. They have some big dudes, some athletic dudes, some fast dudes that are going to be playing on Sundays, but their success right now is tied to Joe Burrow's arm. Everybody talks about Ohio state. What happens if Justin Fields goes down? Well, God forbid what happens if Joe Burrow goes down for LSU? Cause he's their entire team right now. I don't want to be an alarmist, but LSU goes only as far as Joe Burrow will take them. And, and that could be all the way. Joe Burrow is having a fantastic season. He is deserving of the Heisman Trophy that he is almost assuredly going to get. Now, if you go best player in college football, it's still Chase Young, bar none. But we all know the Heisman has never been about the best player in college football. So if it's going to be a quarterback's award, as it always has been or has been for a long, long time, then I'm fine with Joe Burrow getting it. He's earned it. But it's kind of funny now, listening to the revisionists out there, the people that want to go back in time and see if this were to play out another way. I heard an interesting question on Sports Talk Radio here in Columbus. You may have heard it on 97.1 The Fan. With Carpenter and Rothman, somebody called in and said, would Ohio State's offense, or ask the question, would Ohio State's offense be better with Burrow rather than Fields right now? Now, the answer is inevitably yes. Uh, Joe Burrow, because he has, it's not just his passing that is incredible right now. He is the best quarterback passing-wise in the country. I would say, ironically, I think Justin Fields, you could make an argument, as the second-best quarterback in the country right now, but there's a big, even if he is number two, there's a big gap between him and, and Burrow. And the thing is, Burrow is not just a passer. He really is a good runner. He can run the zone read. He can take off on his own and improvise. He is a great all-around quarterback right now. And, and as scary as Ohio State's offense is with, with Fields, I don't even want to imagine what it would be with Joe Burrow running the offense under Ryan Day. And that's nothing against Joe Brady. Joe Brady obviously has done a phenomenal job with Joe Burrow down there at LSU. So yes, to answer that question that was asked of Carpenter and Rothman, I think Ohio State's offense would be better with Joe Burrow. But you you go back, and the thing is, I asked this question on Twitter last year. I, I polled people. 90% of you said you would rather have one year of Dwayne Haskins than two years of Joe Burrow. And so I I hate the thing we're doing now because we're seeing the success of Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow had stayed at Ohio state and it was his call to leave, he probably was not going to be the starting quarterback last year. And uh, (laughs) we don't blame him for leaving because we saw what Dwayne Haskins did as a starter. 54 total touchdowns, 8 interceptions. I've got a little bit more on that because it really is interesting to see what Justin Fields is doing. He's sneaking up on those stats for Haskins, by the way. But I'll get to that in a second. But if Burrow stays last year, Joe Burrow was just a good quarterback at LSU. He was not a great quarterback. Joe Brady has taken him to another level this year. If he had stayed in Columbus, he wasn't going to beat out Dwayne Haskins, most likely. He never said he was never told definitively that he would not start, but he was not, the Urban Meyer and Ohio State coaching staff were were not ready to give him an answer at the end of spring two years ago. They just weren't ready to do it, and so he saw the writing on the wall. He didn't want to risk staying another year without being able to start, and so he goes to LSU. And last year he he had a good year at LSU but he was not Dwayne Haskins last year. So even if Joe Burrow stays, we're talking about one year of Joe Burrow and we wouldn't be seeing Justin Fields here. So the the real question is not whether you want Joe Burrow over Justin Fields or for one year. It's, It's do you want one year of Joe Burrow over two years of Justin Fields? And the answer to that is no. I don't think you do. Because Joe Burrow may be better right now. But Justin Fields is a true sophomore putting up crazy numbers where Joe Burrow is in his fifth year putting up crazy numbers. Ohio State knows as long as, knock on wood, health, with the health qualifier, they know they're getting another year of Justin Fields. And I think it's scary to see what Fields could become because... Fields right now is completing 68.2% of his passes. He's throwing for just under 9 yards per attempt for adjusted yards per attempt, which includes touchdowns and interceptions. He's actually 11.2. Haskins last year was 70%, 9 yards an attempt, and 10.3 adjusted yards per attempt. Haskins had 54 total touchdowns, as I mentioned, 8 interceptions, In nine games, whereas Haskins had 14, Fields right now, 37 total touchdowns accounted for, one interception. Fields actually has the better passer rating right now. But what's incredible is he's on pace for 57 total touchdowns right now through 14 games, where Haskins had 54 last year. And here's the incredible thing is Fields is doing that on almost half the snaps right now. 37-54 to as it currently stands. Fields has played 559 snaps. Haskins played almost 1,100 snaps last year. So what Fields is doing as a true sophomore is incredible. I mean, if you go back to the Joe Burrow-Haskins competition, in 2017, neither one were good enough to do what they eventually did last year and this year. Barrett deserves to start, and that's another thing why I love you guys. You love to beat a dead horse. I know it's amazing to see Burrow's success right now and how many people people are bringing up the 2017 quarterback situation with J.T. Barrett. Neither one of those guys were ready to step in for Barrett that year. Burrow was absolutely ahead of Haskins on the depth chart when he got hurt in 2017. But the point was, back then, Barrett was the guy. Burrell was not the Burrell we knew back then. Haskins was not the Haskins we knew back then. I know what he did in Michigan later that year, but he was not ready for that in a, on a game-in, game-out basis, especially early in the year when Burrell was actually ahead of him. But that's why I love you guys, because we're revisiting these conversations that just divide us all on Twitter. And I know inevitably somebody will message me saying, yeah, but... Those guys should have started over over Barrett in 2017. I'm just waiting for one of you to do it because I know you will. And some of you are smart, Alex, and will do it just for the fun of it. More power to you. But look, it, to kind of bring this back, though, Burrow's having a great year. But let sleeping dogs lie. I, I love watching him at LSU, as I sure, I'm sure most of you do. He's a great kid. He's an Ohio kid. He loves his Buckeyes. He's making the most of his opportunity. He really has improved. I mean, there's everything in the world to like about Joe Burrow. But for a variety of reasons, this works because it was just his best opportunity to leave Ohio State. It was just bad timing and a really good quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. That's really what it comes down to. And I don't know if... Because of timing alone, I don't know if he would be the quarterback today that we're seeing just because of the timing of it. Certainly coaching and opportunity would be there now as we see it, but a lot of things would change. So you would get one year of Joe Burrow, maybe the Joe Burrow we're seeing, but you wouldn't have that second year of Justin Fields. You got to consider that. So I think it worked out for all parties in the end. I think you have to like how it worked out. You wouldn't have taken... Joe Burrow over Dwayne Haskins last year? I know this because, like I said, I I asked this question rhetorically many times throughout the year, and repeatedly everybody, not unanimously, but pretty close, said they would take Haskins over Burrow last year. That's just the way it is. Coming up, we'll talk some more Ohio State football, playoffs, Chase Young, all that coming up on Locked on Buckeyes. So as I record Locked on Buckeyes here Monday evening, we are kind of in a holding pattern waiting to hear the result of Ohio State's application for reinstatement for Chase Young. As I alluded to on the Monday podcast, it is believed that Ohio State was going to file for reinstatement on Monday. According to CBS Dennis Dodd, that has happened. So Ohio State is in a holding pattern waiting to hear back from the NCAA. They will either be told, yes, Chase Young has been reinstated, which means he would be immediately eligible to play against Rutgers this Saturday, or they could come back telling Ohio State they want more information before they decide, or they could just outright say he's going to be suspended for X number of games. Ohio State is of the belief that he will be reinstated either this week or next week, being available by the Penn State game. That being said, while we wait to hear the decision from the NCAA, which could come as soon as today, maybe Wednesday, Thursday at the latest, at least Ohio State is hoping Thursday at the latest, because they'd like to know a decision. If he's going to be eligible for Saturday, they want to know in time so that they can have Chase Young travel with them to New Jersey. But in any event, There's still an interesting angle to this as we're trying to figure out who was the snitch that brought this up now of all time. This happened in the summer before his freshman year, according to him, and and I assume that Ohio State has proof of that timeline. So why did it come about now? Actually, October 26 is when they learned of it, but why did it come up now? There has been speculation This may have to do with Chase's old high school coach, Elijah Brooks, who is a running back coach for Maryland. He's a former coach at DeMatha Catholic, where Chase played high school. There is certainly something to this, because Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt floated this a couple times during the broadcast on Saturday. I doubt very seriously that guys in their position would have floated that if it wasn't coming from somewhere. Ryan Day was asked about this at his press conference, and I thought he gave an interesting answer because he he kind of, at first the question had to do with alluding to personal reasons and running up the score. Ryan Day gave a very direct answer that he was not trying to run up the score, and he gave many reasons why he would not do that, would not want to do that, and even went so far to give his own opinion as to what he was trying to accomplish with the play calling. But in all of that answer that he gave, what he did not say, which I thought was interesting, is he did not deny anything alluding to Maryland's possible involvement. Now, that wasn't specifically asked directly in the question, but I think if Ryan Day is as smart as we think he is, he undoubtedly knew what the question was getting at. And he didn't deny that part of it. So I found that interesting. So it does make you wonder if, in fact, Maryland was behind this. And I got to ask why Maryland would do this. It's easy to see in the short term why you would want the best player in college football to not play against your team. That makes a lot of sense. But you had an Ohio State program that was only motivated to get back at you for the previous year. Long term, they're not looking at you as, as a big obstacle in their way. Ohio State is not concerned with Maryland football long term. That's just the way it is. You might sneak up on them every once in a while, every one you know, every five to ten years, you might sneak up on Ohio State. But otherwise, you're not on their radar was it really worth it to wake a sleeping giant as far as your program is concerned? Does getting Chase Young off the field really give you that much more of a chance to win? Because now all you've gone and done is you've upset the big man on campus, the guy that's going to be bullying you around for years. I just don't understand if, if in fact, it was Maryland that turned Ohio State in. And again, we're dealing with some conjecture here, so I understand. I can't treat this as if it is gospel, but it does seem like it. There's a lot of buzz coming from Ohio State. And like I said, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt were talking about it twice during the game. you got to think that there's a reason for that. Ohio State may not know for sure it's Maryland, but they may have a really good reason to suspect it. But if that is the case, that it was Maryland that did this, really short-sighted thinking, I'm just not sure why you would want to put yourselves in that position. You had Ohio State's attention this year just because, to your credit, you racked up 50 points on them last year. So their defense had a reason to remember But if you don't do this, Ohio State wins the game, they move on, and they forget about Maryland football until whenever you play again. But now, you better believe Ohio State is going to remember this next time around. They're going to be gunning for you. So this was not the smartest decision, if in fact that's what happened. If, If Maryland turned in, Ohio State and Chase Young, not the smartest thing that they have ever done over there in College Park. Lock On Buckeyes podcast is for you. If you're looking to grow your business, please grow with us. We're growing. You should too. We have many advertising opportunities. Please email us, lockonbuckeyes at gmail.com. We have great rates and a targeted demographic for your business. Give us a shout if you'd like to advertise with Lock On Buckeyes podcast. Coming up in the third segment, talk some Big Ten football, what I think of Minnesota. What I think of Ohio State's chances going forward and a few playoff tidbits as we get ready for the second edition of the college football playoff rankings coming up tonight.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
1: Coming up tonight, the second edition of the College Football Playoff Rankings. The Week 11 rankings will be out by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. I touched on this yesterday. Look, I I made the bold prediction that Ohio State would actually remain ahead of LSU in the rankings that come out tonight. I'm waffling a little bit on that. I can certainly see a justification and rationalization for the committee to flip-flop Ohio State and LSU. LSU does have four really good wins, including the latest one against Alabama. I, I think people are grossly exaggerating the quality of of some of their other wins, like Texas. Florida has been exaggerated a little bit. Auburn just a little bit. Not that they're not good wins. They are. I just think they're being exaggerated a little bit. Let's face it, in college football right now, if you're not a top five opponent, or you're not an SEC opponent, or you're not in the SEC, then college football fans basically not basically, they do diminish the win. Who have you played? It's a terrible schedule. If you're not a top five team or an SEC opponent or an SEC team, then you're either mediocre, average at best, or in some cases a total fraud if you lose a game. We hear that all the time. And I I don't want to be that guy doing this to LSU because LSU has beaten a really good schedule or upper half of the good schedule. The the second part of the schedule, the lower half is not good, but they have beaten some good teams and I'm not trying to diminish that, but it's just funny. It's it's okay to talk about how great LSU schedule for their four top 25, 30 ish wins. And no, Texas is not a top 10 team. Let's stop talking like you beat a top 10 team when they're not a top 10 team. Clearly, just because people thought that in the second week of the season, when almost no games had been played against outside competition, that doesn't mean that you beat a top 10 team. But LSU has beat some good teams. There's no denying that. But I hate this thing where we diminish everything else that's been done outside the top 10. Ohio State has beaten several good teams, not great teams, but good teams. So I can see a justification for LSU being flip flop but like I said yesterday, the problem here is that the committee has told us that Ohio State was clearly the number one team in the country, the best. That's the goal. It's the four best. So I'm hoping the committee uses consistency. And by the way, in the five years of the college football playoff, the committee has never leapfrogged a team over the number one team unless they lost. Which is why I have some confidence that tonight Ohio State will be number one. Maybe not. You can rationalize it somewhat by merit alone. Not by the way they played on the field. Don't get me wrong. LSU looked great on the field. They did. They they looked awesome. But they had to hold on for dear life because they do have some flaws. Like I said earlier in the show, It's a really so-so LSU team outside of that pass game, but that pass game is just so exceptional. That's why they're beating these teams. But I think Ohio State might stay number one tonight because I think the committee is going to be consistent. They have been. They have not leapfrogged a team over a number one team unless they lost. So I don't see that changing tonight. It could, but my prediction is it won't. That being said, What really concerns me, and I don't think this is something that people have thought about enough, I look at a team like Minnesota, and Minnesota has not, and up until the Penn State game, they had not played anybody. Let's be honest about that. And worse, in the four games in the Big Ten that they started to look really, really good, all four of those teams were playing backup quarterbacks. That is something you have to take into account when you're deciding who the four best teams are, certainly. But you have this Minnesota team that has been rolling along now. And since, septem- sep- since September ended, they have been playing like a playoff contender should play. They got the win against Penn State. They looked really good in doing it. Better than I expected, even. I've been saying Minnesota is a legit good team. Maybe not a four, one of the four best teams, but legitimately good. And boy, did they look good on offense against Penn State, against a good Penn State defense. Now, maybe Penn State's defense got exposed a little bit. Time will tell on that. We'll find out this week. Indiana could give them a really good game. That's an awkward time to be playing this Indiana team, who's 7-2. and two. You're coming off of a loss, your first of the year to Minnesota. You have the big Ohio State game looming next week. This is not a good time to have to deal with this Indiana team. Maybe Penn State's defense was overrated. Maybe Penn State was overrated, period. I know I had been trying to justify them being in the top five. I think they deserved it based on merit. Are they better than Clemson? Probably not. I think last week may have told us that if we had any doubts. But I do think that Minnesota looked really good against Penn State. Their run game was exceptional. Their line did really good against that front seven. Tanner Morgan... Great quarterback performance against Penn State. The receivers are NFL caliber. I'm impressed with that Minnesota team, and I started thinking about this more the last few days. This is why we need an 18 team playoff if there weren't all the other reasons we're talking about. Do we really want to live in a college football world where nobody has a chance except for five to ten teams to start a year? Because Minnesota could win all its games, and if they slip up, if there's even one slip up whatsoever where they don't look the part, they're not getting in. We're talking about a Baylor team. There are scenarios out there that Baylor could win out, but they're not going to get in the playoff maybe because of Alabama. We shouldn't be having these discussions. Even Ohio State, this benefits Ohio State fans more than 97% of college football fans out there. But Ohio State has missed the playoff three different times when you could argue that either by merit or simply by eye test they should have been in the college football playoff. 2015, 2017, 2018. All three years Ohio State had a really good argument to be a top four team. In 2017 they did lose twice, but they were also a Big Ten champ and had three top ten wins. Alabama did not win their league. And had two top 10 wins. But Ohio State got left out because it's Bama. I just don't think that's good for college football. I do want to see the four best teams in the college football playoff. But there is subjectivity with that. And to think that Baylor or Minnesota has to win out to get there. And could win out and still not get there. I think that's bad for college football. I really do. That's why I I just think that eight is the right number. I know some of you would argue, well, the, the sixth, seventh, and eighth best teams in the country clearly aren't championship caliber. Well, maybe, but let them prove that. There were people saying that Ohio State didn't belong in the playoff in 2014, but they got the chance to get in there and they proved it. And let's be honest, the Ohio State team in 2014 was not one of the four best teams in college football until the very end of the year. But they got hot at the right time. So I think you have to have a little wiggle room. And that's what I'm hoping for in this playoff scenario. Minnesota, I'm not sure that they're as good as Ohio State. Let's be honest, they're not as good as Ohio State. Nobody is right now. But they could beat Ohio State, and it would be a shame to see them I know this is a really unlikely scenario because I think if Minnesota is undefeated, they are getting in. I'm not sure we can say the same thing for Baylor, but I think Minnesota, having beaten Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State to end the year, they're getting in if they're undefeated. But what if they lose to Iowa or Wisconsin and then still beat Ohio State? There's a realistic scenario. They're not getting in. And that's a tragedy for college football. One loss should not be the reason that you don't get in. There's no other sport that we expect perfection, that we ask for perfection. I just think that we have to, this eight-team scenario, remember I said last week, Joel Klatt is saying that eight teams is coming. We need this for college football. Because I do not like a world where you can lose one time. I know schedules are uneven, not a perfect apples to apples comparison sometimes, but we have to leave room for the rest of college football if you're the Baylors or the Minnesotas of the world. This has benefited Ohio State, but it's also, Ohio State fans have also learned the hard way. Unfortunately, this is Alabama's world and we're all just living in it. I don't want to live in Alabama's world anymore. I don't know about you. I'm tired of it. That should be enough of a reason right there to expand the college football playoff. I'm giddy about the prospect. I know, don't come at me with your pitchforks and your uh, and your torches, but I am giddy about the possibility of seeing a Cinderella Minnesota, Minnesota story. Not that I'm looking or asking for them to beat Ohio State, but just that they'd be in the position to pull off that upset. And see a Minnesota in the playoff? Really? Who saw that coming? That'd be great for college football. Maybe not in the if you're picking the four best teams. The ratings would suffer, certainly. But that's why I like eight. You get a little bit of variety. You get to see teams that you're not going to see there otherwise. I don't want the oligarchy in college football to handpick four, four teams. Usually Clemson and Alabama every year and then just fill in the other two around them. I don't want that. I'm tired of it. I'm not asking for college football to expand like 68 teams like college basketball. I'm just asking for eight teams. Let's do it. Then we know the winner of the Big 12 is in. Then we know the winner of the Pac-12 is in. We know Minnesota would be in even with one loss. Because if Minnesota loses to Iowa or Wisconsin, but then beats Ohio State, even with one loss, they, they should be in. I don't care what happened with their schedule, the way it broke. It was unfortunate for them. But the last month of the season, they would have earned it on the field. It'll be interesting. Anyway, college football playoff rankings, week number two, week number 11 rankings, I should say, coming out tonight. I'm still sticking with my prediction. I'm waffling a little bit, but I think Ohio State stays number one over LSU. That'll be interesting. I do think Bama will be number four. I'm fine with that for now. I won't be fine with it if that's how it finishes. Unless there's a lot of chaos. Tomorrow, we'll preview Ohio State-Villanova. Huge top 20 showdown at the shot. I will be there in person to watch it. Very excited to see Villanova and Ohio State play. We'll talk more about Ohio State. Hopefully, we'll get some closure soon in the next day or so on this Chase Young situation and see if he is reinstated for the Rutgers game. If not, it'll probably carry into next week. High State football, High State basketball. Coming up on Locked on Buckeyes this week. Please tune in. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Or play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Hit me up on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Buckeyesingular. Until tomorrow, have a great one, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Hey, Prime members.